All right. What a great time of worship. Um, actually, um, our topic today, what we're going to be talking about is giving thanks. So we're going to be talking about worship quite a bit. And um, for many of you may not know this, but for the first 18 years or so of ministry that I was in, I was in worship ministry and I was a worship pastor at many different churches, but um, mostly in Indiana, Indianapolis, Greenwood, actually, Indiana, and then in Dayton, Ohio as well. But um, most recently was in Greenville, Ohio, as the worship pastor at EUM, Evangelical United Methodist Church, and God moved me into the lead pastor role um, slowly and progressively over that time, but uh, worship's always been kind of a a, a key thing in my life. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, when life gets hard and when we start going through things, or even when life is good, um, there's this, I don't know, there's something special about pouring out our hearts to God in song. Um, we have it in the scripture. We're going to be looking at your Bibles. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, God commands us to do it. We'll talk about what that command means today. So we have this command that God gives to us that we're to sing songs actually to one another and then pour out our hearts to him. But then we have an entire book of worship in the Old Testament in the Psalms, which are songs um, to the Lord, just powerful, gut-wrenching, real life, like crying out to God. And I I was talking um, with Marley this morning, um, the lady who played keyboards, and we were talking and she was, we were talking about the Psalms and I said, I love the Psalms because David, when he writes, holds nothing back. Like, if he is going through something, I can see him, like, when he was in uh, the cave, you know, and he was losing his kingdom, and he's, he's there alone with maybe just a few guys. He's just going, God, why have you forsaken me? It's this gut-wrenching cry of, like, why did you do this? Why did you let this happen to me? How could you do this to me? This is horrible. How am I ever going to come out of this? This is the worst thing ever. And I read that. And then I think to myself, and I'm like, man, I felt that before. Have you guys ever felt that? There's this beautiful freedom we find in the scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, but really clearly in the Psalms of this being real with God. He's not like this distant deity that is completely um, disconnected from the human problem, not completely disconnected from our suffering or our pain, the joys that we feel. And it's just this amazing picture of just being honest, like, God, why are you letting this happen? But then you have the other side in the Psalms and this other side of worship where David's just like, you're the best. You're the best God ever. No one can compare. Look at all you've created. Look at all you've done. How can you hold me this high? How can you give me this kingdom? How can I be king? I'm undeserving. But you are amazing and you are worthy of all worship and praise. So you have this like, this like bipolar thing going on, right? It's like this huge ups and these really low lows. And it's just crazy. I was singing really loud. Sorry, I got to drink some water. No, but it's this amazing just like picture of of how how we should interact with our creator. So so oftentimes we get to this, and I am totally off script here, so just stick with me here. But there's this, uh, this freedom we have that we can come to God as we are. And so oftentimes 
We come to church and it's put on your Sunday best, right? You tie that tie. You, you get the kids ready and you put on your Sunday best. That's how we were kind of raised. And you go to church and I, I had two little brothers and um, I would say that they were wild and crazy, but my parents would say that I would you know, ignite them into a chaotic fire of craziness as their older brother. And I had an older sister, which I would torment constantly. She lives in Austin and watches every Sunday. Sorry, Holly, I apologize now. But anyways, I, we would, you know, as we're getting ready for church and we're putting on our Sunday bests with my pants on inside out and one sock and mismatching shoes and I'm torturing my little brothers, you can imagine the chaos that was going on in our home. It was, you know, I was yelling at Aaron, Aaron was yelling at Isaac, Holly was yelling at me, mom was yelling at all four of us to try and get ready, dad was somewhere, I don't know, but he was getting ready, he always looked great, and we were getting ready, and we would come, and it was like this, in the car, barely, you know, dad's like, you know, Mario Andretti on Sunday mornings going to church, right, because we're about seven minutes late, and he knows if he, get, if he can go this certain speed he can make up those four minutes and only be three minutes late we get to the church doors and you know they have the greeters there as your dad drops everybody off in the minivan you remember those vw vans with the flat front yeah we had one of those bad boys so that wouldn't do more than 55 miles an hour but anyways you pull up to the church and we're yelling at each other as soon as those doors open it was like perfectly quiet and and whoever the usher was out there opened. well good morning mrs how power oh good morning how are you this is just a wonderful day. God bless you. You know, and then after this massive chaos, we put on our Sunday best. We put on our game face. And it's the exact opposite of what God calls us to do. I, I, am, I, I cannot state this strongly enough is that God wants you as you are right where you're at. And he says, come to me. I love you. I care about you. I'm going to change your life because it needs it. But anyways, I love you and I want to pour out myself into you and cha- change your life. But we put on our Sunday best and really what it is is this fake mask. The shallowness mask that is just fake and wrong. And actually it's a lie. It's a lie. And we bring this falsehood in and we say, everything's fine, brother, and move on our way. All the while, we're dealing with a death in the family, a struggle of addiction, a a breaking and broken marriage, kids who are just going wild. All of these struggles and difficulties in this turmoil that we live in, we ignore it, we hide it, we bury it, we hide it, and it's, it's a mask. There's this mask we hide over, and God says, what are you doing? I'm the only one who can fix that for you. Don't, don't hide it. Don't leave it out in the parking lot. Bring it to the altar where the, your creator can get his hands dirty and clean you up. He's the only one who can. Here's the thing, as I was thinking about this, we are created in God's image, God's image, men and women alike. We are both created in God's image. And here's a real strong truth I want to pull out of that, is Jesus was the perfect representation of God when he walked planet Earth. And Jesus showed emotion. Jesus showed emotion. Do you remember the story when he turned the tables over at the tabernacle? 
They were, these guys were ripping off the Christians that were coming to, to give their sacrifices. And these guys were selling sacrifices at crazy, it's like trying to buy a car today. You know, it's like crazy amounts. It's 10 times what it should cost. You know, and they're paying all these things. Jesus walks in and man, he's like, okay, I gotta take a minute. I'm going up to the mountain. Um, he said, he goes up this mountain. He's like, Father, I'm, I know what I'm gonna do. I know exactly what we're gonna do here. I only do what I see you doing, Father. You know what he does? He puts a whip together. Somebody's about to get a whooping. Dead straight, right? Like this was, this was thought about. Jesus, this was not reactionary. This was planned. Jesus goes off and crafts a whip that probably took some time, and he comes back down and he lays the smack down, goes full UFC on these guys, flipping tables, going off and saying, this is my father's house. We don't do this here. This is sin. This is wrong. We have a picture that God has emotions, but, but we come to church and we just shut them off, right? It's like, it's like we, we got to keep that mask on. We got to keep that, you know, a Facebook front up, right? We got to keep the Facebook front up. And we're, do, we're just lying. And we're doing ourselves a huge disservice to our creator who, you know what? Here's the thing, man. He already knows it all. <laughs> I'll just let you in on the little secret. He knows every little thing. Not only every sin you've done and every curse word you've said this week and every other thing that you've done. He knows every sinful thought that crossed your mind. There's no secrets. He knows it all. And you know what? He still loves you. He still loves you. And he still says, don't leave it in the parking lot. Bring it here. Bring it here. This is why I sent my son to die for you because I knew this was just going to be a hot mess. And I'm going to change your life. One of the ways that God changes our lives is through this deep, intimate, personal relationship that we have with him. And one of the most amazing gifts that he's given humanity to, to grow in this, this gift of relationship is music and worship. And we'll see in Ephesians 5 this great command that God gives us to cry out to him in worship and praise and thank him for the victories and the blessings that he pours out on us so generously, but also to come to him in the suffering and the difficulty and the mystery that we struggle with so often in relationship with God because he's God, capital G, right? Let's pray before we read God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. Father, I pray that you would give me the words I surrender to you. Have your way. Grow us and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start in verse 15 of chapter 5. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Man, are they ever is that a true, if that was a true statement 2,000 years ago, that is a true, true statement today. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Man, that's one of my favorite scriptures. I love that. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The first thing I really want us to focus on here is be filled with the Spirit. We are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Paul paints a clear, clear picture here of what he means by being filled with the Spirit. It says in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's two things that being filled with the Spirit means right here. And Paul talks about to the church in Ephesus and to us today. There's a horizontal piece that he's talking about. Sing songs and hymns to one another. There's this one, there's this one another's again. I talk about them all the time, right? This relationship with me and you and the people sitting beside you here in the chairs. Just look around for a second. Go ahead, look around. It's awkward, that awkward look, yes. This is your church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. When we read this in Ephesians 5, addressing one another, this is who you're addressing. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> right? As we look down these rows and up in the balcony, everybody, and this is who we're addressing. We're addressing one another in song. Isn't that crazy? This is twofold thing. There's this horizontal and this, this vertical thing, right? Making melody to the Lord with our heart. So there's the two things. There's something special about music, this tool that God has given us. Um, I, I, I love music, obviously. But anyways, um, as I've listened to music and studied music over the years and went to school for it, we had to watch all kinds of orchestrations and all these different things from all over the world. And one of the things that just moved me to tears was this Russian orchestra video that I had to watch for my ear training course. And I remember this video so well because, one, the musicianship was off the charts. Like, this orchestra was mind-blowing. And as I remember it, watching through this, I was listening to this music. There's no lyrics. There's no dancing. There's just this music. And as the conductor is orchestrating this whole thing, there's these beautiful highs and lows. There's minors and majors and transitions. Just this beautiful thing. And I've closed my eyes and listened to this music, and I'm just being moved by this music. I, I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what it is. But there's just this, it's tugging on my heartstrings, Right? And I'm like, what is this all about? And I open my eyes and I'm watching this video screen and the, the camera guy pans from this orchestra, he pans out into the crowd and there's this older gentleman, big, stocky, tough looking beard, Russian man and dude is blubbering like a baby. And I'm just like, what is up with this? You know, but I was being moved too. And I, God has given us this gift of music that it is actually meant to, to move us emotionally. If we are created in God's image and God has emotions, then we have emotions too. And those emotions aren't necessarily inherently on their own evil. But if God is moving on our hearts in worship, if we sing a song that says, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. 
For I believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. That's a song that we sing. It's called This I Believe. And if I can just say that, and, and even just saying it, I'm just, yes, yes, that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm sharing this truth with you, is because I believe that, I believe that, I believe that to be true, true for you and true for me and true for those who don't know Christ yet. That they will believe and that we have a purpose to go and share that good news. If we can put that to a rhythm, we can put a melody over that. And then we can sing that to one another and encourage one another that says, you know what? It's not just you that believes this. I believe it too. And you believe it. And we sing it in melody together. And some of us, like Matt Brand, singing beautiful harmonies over it. And then musicians playing the rhythm that keep us all together, unify us rhythmically, melodically, and then theologically. There is something amazing and beautiful that happens when we obey God's commands. You thought I was going to say sing songs. No. When we do what God commands us to do in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 5. Make melody to the Lord with our hearts. Sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs to one another. This horizontal, vertical thing that happens when we worship God. What a beautiful thing it is. But man, we have music available to us all the time now though. Like I'm in my car, right? Cranking up the worship tunes. I'm like, hey Siri, play worship music. And she just plays worship music. And I love it, it's great. We have these things around our house and it just plays worship music 24-7. We have it available to us. And I find myself singing the songs that we sing here throughout the week, humming them as we go along. And I, I, don't, I don't always purposefully remember that worship and us coming together on Sunday mornings to worship and sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another is a command that God gives us on purpose for his purpose. Are you guys with me on this? Like, it just becomes something that we do each week and music that we have available to us all the time. I don't know if you know this or not, but in Jesus' time, Jesus didn't have an iPod. He didn't have an iPhone, so he wasn't like, hey, Siri, play me some, you know, Hebrew melodies of worship. Play me Psalms 118. No, he didn't have that. I mean, we have this all the time now, and it's just, it's like right here in my pocket, actually. I could just pull it out, and we could play some Siri music right here, and we'd be good to go, Right? So I, I, I forget that this coming together, Hebrews 10, do not neglect the gathering of the saints as some do. This, this command of us coming together and then what God commands us to do when we come together, I forget to do it purposefully, right? I just, I just come and kind of go through the motions and maybe if my favorite song gets played, I'll tap my toes or I might tear up just a little bit and then it's over. That's not what Ephesians 5 is talking about. This, this idea that Paul is sharing with the church in Ephesus is the idea that we plan to come together. We prepare our hearts to come together and sing to one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up, challenging one another, agreeing with one another over these beliefs, these ideologies, this Christianity and then we make melody in our hearts to the Lord. What does that mean? 
Have you ever made melody in your heart to God? Quick answer, yes, you have. When you come and and worship God, focus your mind and heart on him and pour your heart out and worship him, you are making melody in your heart to God. When the Bible talks about the heart, it is talking about the very core of humanity, the very core of who you are, what makes you, what you feel and what you say. It says like the, the words that come out of your mouth are actually stemming from and coming out of your heart. That when you make melody to the Lord with your heart, there's this emotion ta- attached to it. There's this belief attached to it. There's this logic attached to it. This, it's this all-encompassing, beautiful picture of what worship is meant to be. And this isn't something that you do on accident. This is something we prepare for. This is something we have to plan and, and, and work towards. It takes practice coming to the Lord and being vulnerable and pouring out our hearts and lives to him. I want to challenge us today, as I was working through this, there's, I think really a core of what the Lord wants us to grasp is that we need to prepare Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for Sunday. That worship isn't this accidental 20-minute piece that happens on Sunday mornings as a part of our service. We just get out of the way so you can hear me talk. But it is an actual purposeful thing that God wants from us and for us. Because he knows that this will change our hearts and change our minds and change our lives. I want us to be a church that comes as we are bringing all the baggage, all the mess, and go before the king of kings and say, God, just have your way. Have your way. Change me and grow me. So I want us to do that right now. I, want, I mean, as, I'm not just going to talk about this as, a, as a, your pastor and as a worship leader too. I want us to practice this and sing a song that we agree with and can sing together. Will you do that with me? Stand and sing with me this song. I almost made the band stay out here with me because they're so much better than me by myself, right? Our Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. That's our God. When it works, that's good.
in life eternal. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the Yeah, praise the Lord. The truths that we know should inform our worship. The truth of the gospel, the truth about our creator, the truth about his love, mercy, and grace, his wrath, jealousy, and judgment, his power, sovereignty, foreknowledge, all of these truths make it into our heads, and that's great. But if they never make it out of our heads and into our hearts, we're missing out. Those truths are meant to inform, inspire, and saturate our worship. I've always wondered why the worship at theology conferences stink. (laughs) I've gone to so many theology conferences. I'm telling you, man, it's like the... um, it's like we're going there for a heart surgery or something, and uh, everybody's, you know, standing at, at attention, and, and nobody's singing except for the guy playing the piano, and it's just this awkward, weird thing. If our theology informs and inspires our worship, shouldn't it reflect that life-changing truth? Think about that for just a second. I mean, because, like, We stand and cheer and shout at a Browns game like madmen and women. I mean, at home. I mean, we sit at home and watch the Browns games and we're like, what are you doing? Baker, throw it to so-and-so. Or why can't Nick Chubb play this week? You know, that we we have these, we can go for it if we're, we're at a Browns game or something. But all of a sudden we come to church and it's like, it's almost convincing that you would believe it. You know what I mean? As we're singing that, right? Like, no, you, you almost convinced me that you actually believe that, right? No, if, I think the, here's the truth. Like, as what we believe, the doctrine that we believe, when it takes root in our hearts and in our lives, the deeper our understanding of God, the more passionate our worship will be. The deeper our understanding of God, the more passionate our worship will be. This is so, so, so true. The reality of Christ leaving heaven. He's left the place that you and I are just dreaming of going to. He just left it and put on flesh walked into our misery, took on our shame and our pain and our suffering. He lived a human life and experienced loss. And and when Lazarus died, it says he wept. He mourned the loss. 
get this, knowing he was going to raise him from the dead. What? And then, ultimately, he gave his life. He died a sinner's death, the worst of deaths that's set aside for the worst of sinners, was tortured, mutilated, and hung naked for all to see. And he died on the cross. And he did it for you and me. I'm going to stop there. And I want us to think about, if that's informing my worship on Sunday mornings, my worship should reflect that kind of sacrifice, that depth of sacrifice, that reality for me and you. But here's the great thing is that wasn't the end of the story. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. When he should have stunk and been rotting corpse, he was alive by the power of God. Made alive, rose from the grave, walked out of the grave, appeared to over 500 witnesses, and then ascended back into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father making a place for me and you. If that's informing my worship, if that's what I believe, then my worship should reflect that. The deeper we understand that truth, the deeper our understanding of God, the more passionate our worship should be. I want to challenge you today that as we come together on Sunday mornings, it's not a last-minute thing, but prepare for worship throughout the week. You know, Sunday mornings will be dry and hard and difficult if we don't prepare for it through the week. If we're not seeking God on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're not going to make up for, for six days or, you know, six and a half days in an hour on Sunday morning. It's just not going to happen. That's not how relationship works. That's not how relationship works. I can imagine if I, I remember meeting my wife and seeing her for the very first time. I was infatuated. I wanted to see her every day. Could you imagine if when I courted my wife, I just said, I got, I got like 45 minutes on Tuesday. Girls, how would that go over? You know that guy that, that comes and talks to you? He's like, hey, you know, he's, he comes to you. He's probably going to say, hey, man, anytime you want to get together, you know, like we can go to Starbucks, we can go to a movie, you know, I'll buy. You know, we'll go, I'll buy you dinner. We'll go anywhere you want. I'll drive. I'll take care of everything, you know. Whenever you want, I'll make it work, Right? If a guy came to you and said, hey, I got like 40 minutes maybe-ish, I'll show up late. I'm going to show up about 10 minutes late. You know, and then I'm going to show up and I'm going to be half asleep. I'm not, I'll be there, but you know, I'm going to be like half asleep. And, and um, I might pay attention to what you say. I might not. And if you say something I don't like, I'm just going to shut you off and ignore you the rest of the time. But we'll get together again. But I've got 40 minutes the next week and, and we'll see how it goes, Right? Ladies, what would you say? Don't call me, I'll call you, right? And my number is something, something, you know, the police station. <laughs> right? That's not how relationship works. I remember when me and Janelle dated, I saw her every day. I'm so glad I didn't scare her off, <laughs> right? I was like, when do you want to get together tomorrow, you know? I was just crazy about it. But that's how relationship is meant to be when we're talking about this kind of relationship. 
I mean, I love my wife. It's a great, we have a great marriage. I'm blessed beyond amazing things. But our relationship pales in comparison to my relationship with Jesus. I'm passionate about my, my marriage and my wife. But man, I'm crazy about Jesus. And that's the most beautiful place you can, just married couples. That's the, and single people, as you're looking for, to be married. That's where you need to be. Your spouse is in Jesus. And they'll show you that every day. Right? When you get that lined up, thanks, thanks, Chad, but you're going to sleep on the couch tonight. I'm just saying. <laughs> Everyone's like, what's that mean? No, we, we, the, we're, we struggle. We're human beings. We deal with that kind of stuff, right? There's real relationship, but we need to invest in, in that relationship. And I'm way over time. Number two, give thanks always and for everything to the Father. This is kind of a sister verse to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18 that says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, the, the verse we were reading, Ephesians, says, know what the will of God is. And then here in 1 Thessalonians, it says, this is the will of God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Like, this is beautiful stuff, right? This is just a woven throughout the New Testament, just tying things together. Everybody's like, I want to know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I want to... This is it. It is, this is what I was just talking about. It's real relationship with your creator. It is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday type relationship. Vulnerable, real, confessional, coming to God as you are, not leaving it in the parking lot. Real relationship with God. That's what he's calling us to. When it comes to relationships, if we are not investing, we are digressing. When it comes to relationships, if we are not investing, we are digressing. Relationships don't have just this, this fence riding piece to them. You are either investing in that relationship, growing that relationship, cultivating that relationship, fertilizing, you know, all that stuff, investing in that, or it is declining. It's the same in marriages. In marriage counseling, I tell every couple this. If you're not investing in it, it's going backwards. They, people think that we can get by with mediocre. They think we can get by with, you know, last week's great week, right? We think that that was great, and that should hold us off for like the next two months. And guys, we're guilty of this probably more than our wives. Like we do something really amazing for our wives, like take them to a wedding weekend, and we think we're good for like a year and a half. I'm just going to let you know that was last week. That was, in fact, that was yesterday. Today's a new day. Your wife's ice cream, favorite ice cream flavor may not be cookie dough today. It may be mint chocolate chip or cherry cordial. Because we change, people change, we grow, and, and all these things shift. And if we're not investing in those relationships, they are digressing. And our relationship with the Lord is the same way. You may say, man, Matt, I open up the Bible, I read the scriptures sometimes, and it's just like, man, I just, I'm struggling with this, and you know, or man, my life has just been so difficult. I just feel like so distant. I always ask people, it's like, well, are you in a community group? I mean, what's your Bible study to look like? Are you like, you just open it up and you do the close your eyes thing, spin and they shall eat but not be satisfied. Oh, that's it. No, seriously, that was what I just read. It's in there. 
No, right? Like, I always ask, what's, what does it look like? How are you investing? How are you cultivating relationship with God? Is, I mean, are you worshiping at home? Are you reading your Bible on purpose at home? Is there, is there a direction you're going for this? Are you seeking after God like you were seeking after your spouse when you first met? This, are, this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. As Nacho Libre would say, the needy gritty. The needy gritty. Now, these first two things that we talked about, this, let me get to my points here really quick. The first one was be filled with the Spirit. And the second was give thanks always and for everything to God, to, uh, to the Father. There's, there is a byproduct or a result of those two things, and we find it in the end of our text today. And it is the third fill in submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is actually the byproduct of actually doing what he's commanded us to do. This is, this is a beautiful picture. This submission is not just an obedience or being subject to. It is the willful servitude and thinking of others before yourselves. This Greek word, okay, help me, Joe. I know I pronounced this really badly. Hupotasso. Hey, I did it. Hupotasso, this Greek word is best defined in Philippians 2, verse 3, where it says this. This is what this means, this submission to one another. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. That's what that Greek word means. That's what that submission to one another means, that I am going to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... I'm going to consider my wife as more significant than myself. I'm going to consider Ken more significant than me. Randy more significant than me. Linda more significant than me. That's, that's, that's the byproduct of, of relationship with the ultimate servant. Then when Jesus put on flesh and became a man and modeled the perfect life for you and me, he didn't come to be this, this conqueror of nations and put Rome in its place. And that's why the Sadducees and Pharisees were so mad at him and murdered him. They wanted a conquering king. They wanted somebody to put Rome in its place. They knew there was a Messiah coming. He was the king of kings. And no, no one could stand up to him. And every knee would bow and every tongue would confess he is the king of kings. That's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. And he didn't give it to them. He came as a servant. He washed the disciples' feet. He touched the untouchable. We talked about it last week. When he called his disciples, he called the lowest of the low. He didn't go to Harvard or Yale or Duke or look for these, these uppity guys. He didn't go to the Pharisees in the temple, the teachers and the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the people that you and I would think, this is the, this is the A team. You know, we're building our team. This is who we're going to go to. He went to the trash men. He went to the fishermen, the stinky fishermen who were weaving their nets together and cleaning their fish. He says, you guys, I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is the God we serve. And he's calling you. He called Matthew a tax collector, hated by his own people. This was his worst choice. Jesus couldn't do any worse than this. Every Jewish person hated Matthew. He was a traitor to his own people. They, would, they wanted him dead. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to make you a disciple. And in fact, you're going to write a book about me. What? Are you kidding? 
And you think he's not calling you right now? He's calling you right now. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. God has a place in his family for you. He wants to adopt you into his family. If you're watching this today or you're here right now and you're not in relationship with God, I want you to know that God loves you. He cares for you so much that he sent his only son to do what I told you about just a few minutes ago. And he's made a way for you to find forgiveness in his son, Jesus Christ. Give your life to Christ today. Surrender your will to his. Lay down your plans, your dreams at his feet. And he will give you a life that is unbelievable. It may not be unbelievable like you think unbelievable should be. But it will be unbelievable in the way that he says it should be. And let me tell you, that's better than any dream you can make up. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. The gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, I pray that the truths of your word would change us in such a way that our worship looks different because we love you so much. Change our hearts, change our minds, grow us more and more in understanding of your word, of your son Jesus. As we study through the book of Mark, God, I pray that as we look at the life of Christ, we would see in, in new ways and in deeper understandings your love, your peace, your goodness, your judgment, your wrath, your, your purpose and your hope that we have in Jesus Christ. God, we want to know you more. And we want to lay our lives at your feet no matter what the cost. Because you paid the ultimate cost. You died for us. Help us to live lives of sacrifice for you a fragrant offering poured out to you, Jesus, our lives at your feet. Help us to be that people. In Jesus' name, amen.